Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we're talking about Bullet Train, the movie that if you went to the movie theater in the last six months or so, you most definitely saw the trailer for maybe two or three times in one visit. That's how much they showed this freaking trailer. But uh, the movie's finally out. We got an episode, and joining me for this one is Jason from Binge Movies. He's been on the show before. We always have a great time talking movies, and uh, it's a fun, lively conversation coming up. Lots of puzzle pieces, so that is coming up in a second. Before we get to it, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. We'd really appreciate it if you dropped a five-star rating wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. If that happens to be Apple Podcasts, we've been floating around like 96, 97 reviews for like a while now, and I'm uh, trying to hit that three-digit mark. Uh, this way, you know, we could say, hey... We're one of those podcasts with a hundred reviews on Apple Podcasts. And you know what? Uh, some people find that as a mark of something important or, uh, you know, particularly interesting when they're trying to hunt down a movie podcast to listen to. And they're like, huh, this one, I, I kind of like the artwork, but how many reviews does it have? Oh, it's got a hundred reviews. I'm going to listen to it now. So uh, it would really help if you dropped that five-star review. We appreciate that. Um, but also follow us on social media at PiecingPod. So let's cut this spiel and talk about Bullet Train. Jason from Binge Movies is back with us. Jason, how's it going? It's going great, Dr. D. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm uh, I'm excited to talk about this movie. Uh, I, I got to say... Uh, I, I know you didn't like it that much, and I'm very lukewarm on it, but I will say I basically watched it for two reasons. One, because my dad really wanted to see it, <laughs> and two, because you wanted to guest on this episode. <laughs> so I was well, like, all right, I guess I got to Let's say not it. tell tales here, Dr. D. <laughs> uh, yes. I wanted to come back to the illustrious piecing it together. Mm -hmm. And all of the good movies were already selected. And you said, ah. all I've got in August is Bullet Train. Would you do that? And I'm mm -hmm. like, to get time with you, I'll do anything. <laughs> yeah, whatever it takes. Whatever right? it fucking takes. And here we are. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, I, I don't, even if you didn't uh, necessarily love the movie, were you looking forward to it going into this thing? No. 
No. No. Yeah. The, the trailers were terrible. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I really like, <laughs> I really like, you know, Brad Pitt and I like a lot of the other people involved in yeah. it, but yeah, the trailers were awful. And I was very, uh, you know, I was cold on those trailers, especially because they played them over and over and over again. Yeah. I will say that even though I'm, I'm still like, you know, lukewarm on the movie, it was better than I was expecting. Like, because I really, really thought it looked bad. And then I got into it and I was like, oh, you know, this is kind of fun, you know? So every time I had to sit through that trailer, it oh. incrementally made me want to see the movie less and less. And it seemed like yeah. every time I saw the trailer, the trailer showed more and more and more of the movie. Yeah. And also, so that gave me a, a bit of pause. The next thing sure. that gave me a bit of pause was it was a Sony film. And mm. I hate the way that, I don't know if it is the, the cameras they use. I don't know if it's, they have proprietary editing software or color correction software or, or some kind of mumbo jumbo CGI machine that's Sony exclusive, but their movies, all of them to a T look like dog shit. Mm. And yeah. anytime it's a Sony movie, I'm like, I just, I really aesthetically don't like them. It's interesting because it's kind of like how you could spot a Netflix movie. Yes. You can kind of spot a Sony movie and they have their own like little sheen that they put over them. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, I, I did end my letterbox review by saying, at least we never have to see the trailer ever again. Yes, so, that is, that uh, is a benefit, know. yes. <laughs> yeah, so, well, we'll spend the next, you know, half hour, 40 minutes or so talking about the movie and thankfully talking about some better movies probably along the way with our puzzle pieces um i've got a bunch well hang on a second you're talking to jason for binge movies we're doing two and a half yes. hours or why am i even here <laughs> yeah, this is true this is true <laughs> well what, what whatever we don't you know use up today we'll use on the next I one see, all so right. uh yeah yeah but uh let's start getting into some puzzle pieces what do you have for your first one? baz lerman's romeo and juliet oh boy all right let's get right to that when was the last time you've seen baz lerman's romeo plus juliet you know what? I was probably like 18 or something like that. So a long, long yeah. time ago. I'm guessing 18 year old David Rose that wasn't really marketed towards you and you probably really didn't care no. for it. Not quite. You weren't no. in your cinephile phase. You were in your ecstasy phase. Uh, I'm guessing <laughs> 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 your rave phase, your glow stick days. Let's just throw it all out there. Sure. <laughs> but um, it's a movie that if you haven't seen a long time, or maybe you've never seen it, uh, it is a movie that is very selective about its hyper stylization. Uh, a lot of mm. rapid camera cuts. A lot of obviously it's based on Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, but that's not Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. It's Baz Luhrmann's Romeo yes. plus Juliet. Yes, uh, yes. And it's heavy on the needle drops. It's heavy in the stylization. They kept the archaic language, but it's a very talky movie. And you'll notice mm. a trend with all my puzzle pieces that they're all real talky and they're sure. all about 30 years old because that's exactly what this movie feels like. It feels <laughs> like somebody has smashed together thir 30 years of what was cool in other movies into one movie mm -hmm. without having any understanding why those things work. And I will dive into it more with my additional puzzle pieces. But for now, that's all I want to say. Dr. D, what's your first puzzle piece, my friend? Well, first of all, uh, very quick aside, you, you didn't really quite say, did you like that version of Romeo and Juliet? How do you feel about it now? I didn't like it at the time because I was jealous of Leonardo DiCaprio and all the girls <laughs> in my class sure, lusting sure. for him instead of for me. 
Yeah. Since then, I've gotten laid, so the jealousy has subsided. <laughs> sure. And I, uh, I like it enough. I like it for what it is. I have come to accept mm-hmm. it for what it is. And on the terms, yeah. accepting on those terms, I, I, I like it. It's its own thing. It's its own entity. It's its own <laughs> weirdo yeah. reality. And in that, in, in, in that, in that way, the, I do like it. Yeah, it's actually on my summer rewatch list. After I loved Elvis so much, I kind of really want to go back and rewatch it for the first time in so many years. It's very '90s. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, but if again, if you can accept it on its own terms, there you go. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I'm not going to go all the way back 30 years, although you're right. I think a lot of pieces are going to go back that far. Uh, but I'm going to go to the mid-2000s for Joe Carnahan's Smoking Aces for my first puzzle piece. I feel like this is like a really big, super obvious one here. Honestly, ripping off Tarantino and yes. r- ripping ripping off, which will probably be a puzzle piece later, yep. uh, you know, and Guy Ritchie probably yep. be another puzzle yep. piece later. But... You know, some of the best moments of this movie are when it's really trying. It's trying to be in that same vein and trying so hard. And while I don't think it's as clever or as smart as some of those other ones, and I would I would actually say as clever or smart as Smoke and Aces, I think that movie really is a lot better than some people give it credit for. I, I think it's like a lot of fun, super over the top. You know, it's not cool. But I think that that's part of its charm, you know, and I, and I think I think that's like you're saying, like, like Bullet Train is not cool. It's like kind of dated in its its approach to movie making. I think it was already dated in 2006, yes, you know, right. to, to make a movie like this. And but it just that leaned into it so hard. I think Bullet Train needed to lean in even harder and it would have worked so much better like Smoking Aces. I am in 100 percent agreement with you to the point that I deleted it from my list. Because I knew with 100% certainty you were going to say it. Not because nice. you're obvious, because the movie mm. is obvious. Yeah, and I sure, was like, oh, sure. this is going to come up. I don't even need to mention it. So I'm right there in agreement with you. Everything you said, I, I echo what you just said. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, what do you got next? Well, snakes on a train. Snakes on a plane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I guess technically it'd be snake on a train. Or snake mm. venom on a train. I don't know how sure. spoilery we're going to get here, but oh, spoil spoil away! Yeah, yes, definitely. Yes. I mean, up up to it, including snakes and toilets and bites and the snake getting loose and all this sort of stuff and the kind of a campy factor, an intentional winking ha ha factor to it. Um, I, I definitely had a little bit of uh, flashbacks to the great disappointment of whatever the fuck year that was. Snakes on a plane. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Which is like, again, it's like, it's trying to capture something that maybe doesn't need to still be happening. Like at the the time snakes on a plane came out, it was like this, this like B movie thing that nobody really wanted in a wide theatrically released kind of a way, but they just kind of ran. It was like the first meme movie, right? It was, it was like, it's morbid time, but too early. It's like, well, it's, Everybody's laughing because it's Snakes in a Plane. What a stupid title. We're going to lean yeah. into that and make our whole market of how dumb this movie is. And obviously, yeah. like, Bullet Train doesn't go that far where it was like, hey, we're going to market this movie around how stupid this concept is. But it definitely has that feel of where it, it's a, a movie that is very much so trying to be a genre flick. Sure. Sure. And my next, you know, my next couple puzzle pieces, 
I'll break that down a little bit more. I think I'm going to give you a two for the next round. Okay, right on. <laughs> well, before we get to that, I guess I'll get Tarantino out of the way um, because, like I said, he's got to be a part of this. Yes. Um, I, I think you can... You know, the main two would be Pulp Fiction and Kill Bill. Bingo. Um, Kill Bill, you know, you got you got the heavy stylization, yep. uh, the character introductions, the love of martial arts movies yep. and culture and all that. Uh, Pulp Fiction, you've got the hitman with the kind of crisis of, of faith and, and uh, you know, the quippy dialogue between the two hitmen. Uh, and, you know, between Tangerine and Lemon, um, played by Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brian Tyree Henry, they are clearly going for that same kind of Travolta, Samuel L. Jackson yes. kind of rapport. I would say some of it works. Some of it is fun and pretty funny. I think they lean a little heavy on the Thomas the Tank uh, yeah, engine I was about joke. To you, the part that doesn't work, and they they are like yeah. they thought they had something real funny with that, is yeah. that it's because what it is, it's so obviously let's give a character some weird quirky thing yeah and make his entire character which is tarantino-esque but it just does not work here it just does not to me every time he went into that shtick with thomas the tank engine yeah i cringed yeah, I, I think part of the part of the thing is this movie could have been you know shaved down a little bit, and it probably would have been a little like sleeker, oh, yes. more more fun. Right away, chop those Thomas the Train <laughs> jokes like easily the first thing to go. Did you this know? movie? That, need, that's like seven minutes yeah. right there. Did the movie yeah. need to be two hours and six minutes long? No, I don't. I uh, I'm gonna be hundred percent transparent with you. I sat in the theater, and within the first hour, I wanted to leave. Mm. Which yeah. very rarely happens to me, because I felt like I'd already been there for two hours. I looked at my phone and I was like, "Oh my god, it's, this is just the first hour." And then I was like, "Well, what the heck is the runtime on this?" And I googled mm. the runtime in my seat in an empty theater. Mm. By the way, there was a, a total, shame on you. There was a total shame of seven you. people in the entire theater, and absolutely nobody in my section. So I disturbed no one. Fair. So anyway, <laughs> so I googled it, and I was like, "Okay, what's the runtime?" It was two hours and six minutes, which means I was only at the halfway mark. And I thought, I already have 10 puzzle pieces. <laughs> I think I could leave now and no one would be the wiser. But right. I stuck it out because of my personal integrity and my personal respect and affinity for you, David. So you're interrupting the movie for everybody in your row. and uh, Yes, yeah. for everybody that's not in my row because there wasn't a soul in that theater anywhere near me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, I, I, and you know what? My dad actually, uh, 20 minutes into the movie, was like, we could go if you want to. And I was like, let's give it a little more time. And and I will say, like, you know, I, I keep trying to, like, like uh, kind of lightly defend the movie, but I really do think it, like, picks up in the second half. And, and that's where, like, all the fun is once it finally gets going and kind of, you know, gets past trying to be this, like, super cool, quippy, hip, thing like it, that's when the action starts and it actually starts being fun i think um i will say that there were moments in the movie that i wish were the entirety of the movie and i mm. and i want to be like oh because you know it's doing this um sort of uh t telling the story out of order and we're doing all these cutaways and flashbacks and whatnot very tarantino-esque sure and i'm introduced i see this story and i go okay i wish i was watching that movie Sure. And then I'm introduced yeah, yeah. to this character very briefly. I'm like, okay, I wish I was watching their movie. And mm -hmm. 
I, I, the only, to me, the only thing that even makes this movie watchable, like actually salvageable as an entertainment experience, is Brad Pitt. Because if you had cast, say, Ryan Reynolds in the Brad mm. Pitt role, this movie would be unwatchable. And that doesn't speak to my taste of Ryan Reynolds or anything. It's just if he had applied that shtick, the Ryan Reynolds shtick, to the main yeah. character, or somebody like him, or Chris Pratt, or something like that, this movie would be dog shit. The, the right, fact right. that Pitt is as cool as he is and playing this character in an almost understated doofish sort of way sure. is kind of what makes it uh, survivable until it gets to some of those better parts. But I didn't think yeah. there was enough. I don't think the sum is greater than the parts when it comes to this mm -hmm. movie. Um, yeah. I really like the character of the Elder and I loved... Uh, uh, the White Death, even though I'm going to get to a not very, very obvious puzzle piece for that character. I wanted okay. more of that sort of Yakuza versus Jedi sort of thing that was going on there. I'm like, okay, that's the movie I want to watch. The flashbacks all the way up to when they're old men and fate brings them back together. I'm like, yeah, that samurai sort of shit. Like, I want to watch that movie. Uh, sure, I don't want to sure. watch the guy who was partially responsible for the first John Wick trying his best to be Quentin Tarantino because it ain't happening. <laughs> well, let's move on to some more pieces. What do you got next? Well, jumping off the Tarantino train, I agree with you, Kill Bill Volume 2, but I knew you were going to say that, so I also want to throw in Robert Rodriguez's Once Upon a Time in Mexico, uh, which mm, is the sequel okay. to Desperado, which we've all collectively purged from our memory because it takes everything that was organically and inherently cool about El Mariachi and Desperado and completely shits all over by trying so hard. And I think this movie is, as the kids would say, a try hard. I think this movie is try hard. Uh, Bullet Train is try hard the motion picture. I, I, I think it's, it's trying so desperately. But the thing that Rodriguez in his better years and Tarantino in his best movies, what separates those from this isn't just like an inherent cool factor. It's that they so loved the forms that they were, it wasn't even homaging. They weren't homaging mm -hmm. those forms. They were recreating them and innovating on them. So Tarantino is taking the stuff from his childhood and exploitation movies and genre movies, and then he's doing something different with them. For instance, he's telling this, the parts of the stories we don't normally see. Pulp Fiction is an exercise, as you brought up, of a movie where it's all the parts that would normally be cut out of a Hitman movie. Right, and sure. And Reservoir Dogs is the same way. It's, it's, we've missed the Bank Heist movie. We've missed it. Mm -hmm. The movie we would normally get already happened. We're getting what happens after that movie. Yeah, and that's yeah. where Tarantino's at his best. He's always showing you the side stories that we never get to see, and he's making that the most important thing. And that's innovation. It's not just him being like, I think that gangster movies are cool, so I made a gangster movie. Same thing goes with Rodriguez. When he was at his best, uh, and he obviously jumps the shark at some point in his career, but he's bringing to you films that are, yes, they are that thing that you know, but there's something else as well. And that comes from a deep love and knowledge and expertise of those forms. And I think the writer-director here, two separate people, but I don't think that they have that level of expertise for whatever the hell Japanese mashup genre. It's a facsimile of a facsimile. I don't think they have the native understanding of what they're even mm. trying to homage. It's just like, 
They just think some things are cool and they just want to replicate it in their own movie. And it's not enough here. So uh, those are the pieces I see. And unfortunately, I think Once Upon a Time in Mexico is too desperado as this is to, I don't know. Uh... <laughs> basically, basically, it's influences. Yes, right. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, it kind of makes sense, someone like David Litch being somebody who is inspired by all these things, yeah. but just because of the cool factor. You yes. know what I mean? Like, looking at his other movies, and by the way, for my next puzzle piece, I was going to bring up Atomic uh -huh. Blonde anyway. Yeah, right. So, you know, his other movies, uh, Hobbs and Shaw, the Fast and Furious <laughs> spinoff, hey. uh, Dead, Deadpool 2, which is uh, okay. I mean, right. it's more Deadpool, you yeah. know, um, and Atomic Blonde, which... The action is great. I didn't really think the rest of the movie is great, no. but it's certainly stylish and it has a great soundtrack and the action sequences are great. And that's kind of part of the reason I wanted to use it as a puzzle piece here is because uh, focus mostly on the fun action moments, which, like I said, you a little bit lower on them. To me, I felt like there was some fun action stuff once you get into that second half. Um, but and, and it still is kind of stylish. Mostly once it gets off the train, like it's weird. I was actually uh, just on We Watched a Thing podcast talking about this this same movie, Bullet Train, and I was talking about how like everything on the train, like it doesn't really have the opportunity to be too stylish, you know. No. But w once it gets off the train, you actually see some pretty cool shit. Um, and and he gets to like flex and and do some interesting things. So that that just uh, you know to me brought back Atomic Blonde where it's like it's such a mixed bag but there are good elements to it and that's kind of the director that I think he is. Yeah, uh, to me my favorite parts of the my favorite action sequences really come a little bit at the beginning. I like the stuff with the wolf, uh, both on the train and in a flashback. I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought the the stylization of the montage of showing his development rising up the ranks of the underworld and taking yeah. different bits and pieces of his previous hits and how that all kind of turns around on him. Uh, how it factored into the story of this movie, I thought was kind of stupid, and I didn't find it all that interesting. But I was like, I want to see that movie. I want to I know that story. And then also mm -hmm. the stuff with uh, Michael Shannon and the Elder and their confrontation and their sword fight, I thought was really great. I thought some of the speech that he gave... Uh, was really great. Uh, I, I, I loved, I wanted more of that. I wanted more aspects of that. It's like somebody, as I was watching, I just kept thinking to myself, some of these images and some of these shots, like the whole Russian roulette where I'm rolling the chamber of the gun down the sleeve of my suit in mm -hmm. the pouring rain as I wear a de demon mask and all this sort of stuff, I'm thinking, okay, it's all video game mask, that's fine. But some of that, it would be a really cool as a stylistic choice for a flashback. But when yeah. every minute of your movie is trying to be at that level constantly, it gets rid of any contrast. And then it just mm. feels like you're trying really hard to impress me. Right. And I would rather it just be the, the one thing about Tarantino's films to go back to him. Cause we, you know, it's very obvious. He's all over this. Tarantino yeah. doesn't really give a fuck if you like his movies or not. He's not sure. making a movie for you or me. He's making a movie for himself. <laughs> Yeah. Right? Yeah. He doesn't give a fuck if you like it. He doesn't, he doesn't give a fuck if you get the references. He doesn't give a fuck if you think it's cool. He doesn't give a fuck if you if you like the language or you know the cursing or you think it's too talky. He does not give a shit. And in the yeah. 90s, that's kind of what made it inherently cool 
was yeah he was not eating ever shit whether you thought it was cool <laughs> right this yeah movie that's part of like, the culture then. Yeah, yeah this movie is very much like look at this look how sweet this yeah. is Ooh, look at this yeah. and it's like uh, and also it has that patina of sony on it so it doesn't look that great it doesn't look that cool it doesn't look mm-hmm. that realistic in most places this has maybe one of the worst cgi composite shots of two actors at the very end where there's just bedlam and and sandra bullock has wandered in like mr magoo off of the lost city on onto whatever fucking green screen sound stage and California, they shot this shit in, or Vancouver, and like someone on Twitter photoshopped her into a Final Fantasy game, and it was like so funny. It was like perfect. <laughs> it, was, it was like this one of those characters. Yeah, this was awful. <laughs> it looked horrendous. And then they have like a Charlie Chaplin, like a Bill or Buster Keaton, like a building fall down around them. The building's not real. They're not actually there. They're not there together. The 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 shadows don't match. There's no light. There's just like flat lighting on them in this dark smoky like uh uh parking lot or alleyway or whatever the hell it is the street where the train would have killed every single one of them because it's derailed mm. for a billion miles and it's just like this is hideous this is this is terrible <laughs> this is awful and there's a great many shots in this movie that look just like uh where the one where what's his face uh brad pitt is flying through the air Oh, yeah, and yeah. Through, through the train as the train's moving around him and it's just a complete it looks like something from 2003 it is mm. horrendous to look at and I'm thinking you can't be you can't this whole thing can't be a flex of how cool everything is when it's not wittily written it's not it's not a witty screenplay it thinks it is but it's not somebody emulating a witty screenplay with all this banter and quippiness that is just tedious and then the visuals look like mud you, you, you can't, you, you, you gotta, it neither needs to be way better looking or way grittier, way more like, like almost like that first, I don't want to go back to it, but like that first John Wick or the raid or something where it's stripped down. It, this yeah. is like somehow bloated and, <laughs> and also trying to be like this ultra cool violent movie but with nothing but movie stars in it it's very strange it's very yeah strange. It, it does it does occupy a weird in the middle uh area and and that that definitely does not work well in its favor but uh yeah i i basically agree with everything you're saying there but what do you got for your next piece let's move on to another one i'll give you two more at the same time because it got so many because there's not an original thought in this movie matthew vaughn's the kingsman and maybe mm-hmm. you could even say it's a terrible sequel not not very many people liked or mm. edgar wright scott pilgrim in particular the character okay. interaction the introductions the manga sort of quality to it i know this is based on a book i don't know if it's based on a manga or just a novel i'm not sure i know scott pilgrim is based on a manga it, it feels very manga-esque manga inspired um what i was while i was watching it uh i love the style of scott pilgrim even from when it originally came out but i didn't like anything else about it I didn't like any of the characters i didn't care about the plot I didn't care about the story but edgar wright is such a creative filmmaker that he is capable of creating that frenetic energy that and he was like the perfect director at the perfect time for that material and i feel mm-hmm. like uh this is what they're attempting to do here is to have that same level of energy and a comic book in the truest sense you know not like in an mcu sense but in the truest sense like a anime manga style 
way of telling this hitman murder mystery, murder in the Orient Express sort of thing. Uh, sure. And it's just, I guess there's another puzzle piece for you, but it's, yeah, yeah, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't really work because again, it's not Edgar Wright doing it. And even Edgar Wright eventually was like, I can't do this forever. So he pivoted to last night in Soho, which I didn't really care for, but at the very least it's something different. Yeah. yeah. And he's not doing the same shtick he's been doing since spaced. And I feel like this movie is straight out of 2003 or something. So sure. I, don't, I keep beating a dead horse. I don't mean to be a downer, but. <laughs> I, I had uh, the Kingsman on my list as well. I mean, yeah, you, you've got that that same kind of like, check us out. Look how look how crazy we are. <laughs> kind, kind, kind of, a you know, a thing. Uh, I didn't have Scott Pilgrim. That's a great one to, to bring up because, yeah, it does all feel like kind of video gamey. And yeah. like you said, like whether whether it, I'm not sure either if the book uh, is actually like a manga or like like a straight up book. But um, re- regardless, like that kind of game like quality to yeah. it, which can be very fun. You know, it's done so damn well in Scott Pilgrim. Um, I would say the Kingsman almost feels like that as well. So, I mean, sure. Why not throw that in there? And um you know, even a little kick-ass in there as yep. well. Uh, and you you kind of threw Murder on the Orient Express in there as well. I, I had that on my possible list. I've actually never seen Murder on the Orient Express. Any of them? So any I, of the versions? N- no, not, neither the the originals. Certainly, though, I mean, you can see the influence on a movie like this where everything is taking place on a yeah. train and going yep. between the cars and, uh, you know, not knowing who the murderer is and the, the various mystery elements of it, even though... It's played more like a straight-up action yeah. movie. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but a bunch of great pieces there. Uh, I'm going to go with a bad piece. How about that? Um, oh, <laughs> okay, we already brought up Ryan Reynolds once earlier. We brought up Samuel Jackson once earlier. I'm going to go with the Hitman's Bodyguard. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know. Yeah, kind of. Yes. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's just straight up goofing around. Basically, the whole fucking movie is a goof. It's just quips and goofs on top of shtick and goofs yes. and quips. And you know, and there's buddy stuff. There's nobody is like allowed to die. Everybody has to protect one another because of somebody's vested interest in somebody else. And so it, it just it leads to. Lots of people dying, of course, but like no one is, everybody has to protect each other too. And so you kind of have the bodyguard element at the same time as the hitman element at the same time as all of the jokey stuff that's going on in those movies, which i never saw the sequel uh, that I don't think anybody saw the sequel. I started it and I, I got about 15 minutes and I was like, nope. <laughs> no, no, nope. definitely not. But uh, the first one, I, I'm not going to sit here and like stand up for the hitman's bodyguard, but I would say is like roughly uneven footing here with with bullet train like some fun a little bit of fun here and there but generally pretty dumb and forgettable you know yeah so there's a moment in this movie we can talk about spoilers right sure there's a moment in this movie where at the very 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 end a bottle of fiji water gets a full-blown flashback character introduction yes and the entire time it's happening i'm sitting here thinking to myself if i had been on board with this movie from minute one or it had brought me into it and I was on board for this tone, I was enjoying it, I would love this moment. Yeah, yeah. But instead, it just happened in front of me. I didn't hate it, but it was like watching something you should love. It was like eating a meal and be like, these are all the things that I kind of like. This doesn't yeah. really taste like anything. And that's kind of <laughs> like, I should you love know what? I, this, I hate, but I, just, I hate to it say just it. Is. 
I hate to say this, but I, I feel like that's all of David Lynch's movies. Like, you know, like I love the movies that he worked on, but his movies that he directed, uh, Atomic Blonde, Hobbs and Shaw, like Deadpool 2, everything about these movies are things that I should yes. love. I love I love the other movies in their respective series. I love yep. the style. I love I love the ideas behind them and they just they don't always work out, unfortunately. And I don't I can't 100% put my finger on what that is. Other than there's something about them that feels like a facsimile. There's something yeah. hollow about them. And I was thinking about, okay, if this exact scene had more or less played out the way that it did, because some of the camera work as the bottle was rolling and stuff like that was like kind of cool. But I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, if this had played out in like everything, everywhere, all at once, which is mm -hmm. very goofy and over the top, whatever, I would have loved it because I love that movie. Sure. But that movie gets me on board and invested in it in a way, as silly as it is, that this movie doesn't. And mm -hmm. I know it's not exactly trying to be the same thing, but in many ways, that movie is way goofier and sillier than this one yeah. is. Sure. And, it, and that would 100% be a movie where a bottle of Fiji water gets a character introduction <laughs> and a five-minute <laughs> yeah. flashback. And I would yeah. be here for it, and it would be all over Twitter. We'd all be talking about it. It'd be like, oh, my God, remember that when the Fiji blah, 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 blah. A24 could sell a $40 bottle of water Heck to yes. us. yes. I would buy it. Heck, yes. Yeah. And for yeah. some reason, it doesn't work here, and I don't know why. I, again, mm. I don't want to go so far as to say that like, I didn't hate this movie. Yeah, yeah. It's just I saw the trailer. I didn't think it was going to be very good, and it neither, it neither surpassed nor... nor uh, uh, fell below my expectations. It was exactly yeah. what I thought it was going to be. No better, no worse. And it was just because of that, because I knew, oh God, this is, there's no surprise here for me. I'm just going to get what I think I'm going to get. And it's, it just felt tedious. It just felt so tedious. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I absolutely agree. You had a bad puzzle piece. I don't know if this is a bad puzzle piece because I like this movie more than others but a lot of people would consider it a bad puzzle piece. Bad times at, at the El Royale. Okay. Yeah, I, I'd consider that a bad puzzle piece, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like that movie. Yeah, I like it. It does go too long. I like it on the strength of its cast. But again, that's a movie in a very similar way that feels like let's get a, a disparate cast of Hollywood stars and put them in a movie that's desperately trying to be Tarantino. Yes. 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 And it's like, okay, the performers are good, but there's, even though I like it more than most people, I admit there's something missing in that film. There's something mm -hmm. that's not quite, doesn't quite click. It's just not quite there in a way that some other movies kind of stick with you. And that is very similar to this. If I hadn't taken note, some movies that you and I have talked about, whether here or on my show, I, don't, I got notes, but I don't really need them because they are very vivid in my mind. Mm. I watched this movie, and I, by the time I got to the parking lot, I was losing it. It was, yeah. it was fading from my mind. I mean, I absorbed none of this, and mm -hmm. I can't exactly tell you why. And in the same way that I can't exactly tell you why none of this guy's movies as a solo director really work, but they just they don't for me. They really don't. Yeah. Yeah, Bad Times at the El Royale is a movie that I, I really wanted to like. Um, I I thought, you know, it had so many interesting ideas. It was 
playing with some of the uh, kinds of filmmaking that my favorite filmmakers love to play with, you know, yeah. and it, it just it just doesn't all come together, unfortunately. But yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense, though. It's trying so damn hard, and it 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 feels like that same kind of movie. And as for the you know forgetting about uh, about it as soon as you're like to your car, like I mean, I do think that that's a problem that we're gonna have to reckon with pretty soon with a lot of movies lately. Yes. Um, you know, but uh, that's another story. <laughs> but uh, uh, I'll go to my my last one, which actually is gonna combine a couple of things. Um, both movies I haven't seen in at least twenty years, so I, I don't remember either of them super well. But uh, Gross Point Blank and Analyze This, oh. two movies. With tough guys slash hitmen slash mob guys, you know, that are going through personal crises or uh, dealing with therapy. Uh, they're they're struggling with their chosen professions. And like you were saying earlier, the best thing about the movie is Brad Pitt. I mean, yes. Brad Pitt, you know, struggling with his own character uh, is what gets you to the end of this movie because he is very <laughs> fun to watch yes. and he is... He is just, uh, that's why he's Brad Pitt, you know, and that, that's really the only thing that kind of holds the glue together with this movie. If there's such a thing as hand charisma, he has it because <laughs> yes. there's something about yeah. the way that he moves his hands and just simply touches objects, picks objects up and moves things that is <laughs> cinematic. I know it sounds so stupid, but. I, you know, I think it was obviously in the Oceans movies, he's always eating food and this, that, whatever. Yes. But a lot of the yeah. movies that he's in, they emphasize his hands. They do the same thing with Denzel, by the way, because he does, he mm. acts a lot with his hands. But there's so many insert shots of Brad Pitt dropping things, picking things up, carrying things, and his hands. And I was just sitting there, and again, this is the only, these are the only thoughts you have when you're watching a movie that isn't working for you. And I just kept looking at him like, this guy has the coolest fucking hands and has the coolest pickup of objects I've ever seen in my life. And I don't know how to describe it other than he's got a physical charisma to him beyond his attractiveness. He has a right. physical body English charisma to him that it makes sense why people put him in movies. And on top of that, I yeah. think he's grown into a, a decent to pretty good actor depending on the material. So yeah, it's like, if, again, if it was anybody else playing it any different, this movie would be damn near unwatchable because between the horrific British accents or whatever they're trying to do. <laughs> well, yeah, we didn't even mention those. The, earlier, the Thomas, the tank engine, cringe comedy, and everything else, the bad CGI and the incredibly long runtime, it just it would have been too much. I think there's decent to good stuff in here. It just gets kind of choked out with all the mediocrity surrounding it. It, it, to me, uh, to kind of hit my last couple pieces, the White Death is obviously Kaiser Soze. Oh, sure. Even his yeah, backstory yeah. is pretty much just, it's a variation on Kaiser Soze, really. Uh, mm. Except for the Kaiser Soze backstory is cooler, but it's, it's, very, <laughs> it's pretty much the exact same thing. The fight mm. out, outside on the actual train itself is Mission Impossible, the 1995 Tom Cruise movie, where um, red light, green light, it, it's very similar. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the movie kind of feels like it's trying to be with no one, unfortunately, who has the uh, physical prowess of this person. It definitely feels like it's the best white guy version of a Jackie Chan Hong Kong action 
because all those action movies are they bend genre and they're kind of comedies at the same time. Sure. And yeah. where they're serious, but they're comedies. There's a real threat, but it's still kind of funny. And the fight sequence is is it's mashed up between action and physical comedy, right? Yeah. And it definitely feels like that's what some of this is. It's just if they don't have a and obviously he was this director's been heavily influenced by Hong Kong action cinema, as most sure. action choreographers and stunt folks and directors have, have been. But um, I felt some of that there too. And yeah, those are kind of my last pieces. And, and it's, it's all there. And again, I just want to say this. This is a movie that on paper I should really love. I should really like mm -hmm. it. Even if, even if I know it's not objectively good, it should subjectively be pushing buttons for me that I'm like, I know it's, I know it's not that good, but I like it. I like it a lot. And I yeah. don't feel that way about this movie. I feel like it was like, okay, for certain stretches, kind of tedious a lot of the time, and just overall a very forgettable experience and very derivative. I think that's what I'm searching mm. for. It's a very derivative film. And David, I pitched this to you. Is it time mm. for us to lay this style, whatever, this madcap, quippy, talky, thinky, action, comedy, we're in the know, we know the tropes, we're gonna, but you know, is it time to lay this to rest at least for a while until we miss it? I mean, but the thing is, is I, I, I would say yes, but even if even if the David Litches of the world were to stop doing it and the big theatrical releases, it seems to be Netflix's bread and butter. Like oh, that's, that's a good point. they're they're just gonna keep doing it. Like somebody's gonna keep doing it. It's it's very, very in still, as much as those of us that, you know, like to think that we know a thing or two or like turn our noses up at it. It seems to be somebody likes this. You know what I mean? Is it? So let me ask you this question. That is it possible that the reason why we're sort of more you're more, I think, lukewarm and I'm kind of more beyond tepid with this movie. <laughs> fair. Is, is it is it fair to say that maybe because maybe the, the general audiences or more casual audiences haven't seen this formula so many times? Could be. So it feels Could be. I mean, we like to talk about, you know, Marvel fatigue and stuff like that, how every movie is a superhero movie now. Um, maybe that is all they've seen in the last 30 years, and they've forgotten about mm. some of these Tarantino movies and Smoke and Aces, and uh, we didn't bring up Guy Ritchie, but you could yes. certainly have brought Guy Ritchie into this conversation as well. He was my honorable um, mentions, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, maybe people have just forgotten about those movies, and they're totally cool with getting some of them right now. I've seen a lot of people on film Twitter say that this is one of the best movies of the year. That's wild. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, you know what? I, I actually do have a question for you. Sure. It, and this kind of like goes into final thoughts. Um, but, you know, we have some cameos in here and we have a full on The Lost City reunion. So I'm telling you. That's what I'm telling you. <laughs> Did you like The Lost City? That's my question for you. Because I actually really liked it. I thought The Lost City was refreshing because while it was a throwback, it was a throwback to, to movies we haven't got since the mid 80s. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? And it was a knowing kind of a throwback, but it was also kind of its own thing. And it took like actual beats to actually try to develop these characters beyond just quip quip gag 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 sure and, yeah. he, and even even if it was superficial at best it was something it was some kind of storytelling yeah. and so i thought it was actually it's a movie it's a bit of a throwback it has kind of older adult stars in it uh 
I don't yeah. mean that in the pornographic sense, but it, you know, <laughs> and it's a kind of a movie that I think you and I probably grew up with or was around. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was, I thought it was very pleasant. It was, is it the best, sure. best movie of the year? No. Would it make my yeah. top 10 of the, my most favorite movies? No, but I thought it was very pleasant and had some actual like genuine laughs in it. Yeah. On it, I agree. Yeah. And I, I think it was a, a slightly less better version of the bearable weight of talent. Oh. Okay. That sort of like a buddy movie adventure, you know, madcap kind of a thing. Um, mm -hmm. and, I, I, and I liked both those movies this year because we yeah. don't get too many of them. Sure, sure. And it, that all three of these movies, I feel like they feel. It, you're right, though. Like it's throwback to a slightly earlier time, but yeah, they're all feel like throwbacks to like classic. Uh, classic in the term of 80s, 90s yes. uh, action adventure, you know, type thing. And I think that's, you know, in a way what this is going for, it's just maybe not bringing enough new to the table, maybe just not knowing quite how to synthesize all those influences. Yeah. Um, yep. it, it's it's kind of hard to say, but but yeah, I mean, that's the only reason I wanted to bring up The Lost City, though, just because I feel like they do belong to a certain kind of a, a throwback of the moment right now, which is kind of interesting and kind of exciting i'd like to see more of that less of you know the bad parts of it yeah you know? I, I i'm with you i'd like to see more action adventure movies i don't think action yeah. adventure is a genre or subgenre that really exists anymore yeah no it's, you know it's i'd tough. like to see more you know i'd like to see more stuff like that for sure yeah absolutely well do you have any other closing thoughts on bullet train before we wrap it up well <laughs> I think if people were expecting me to rant, I probably disappointed them. It's this is not a rant-worthy movie. No. Nor is it a oh my god, this is a hidden gem. It may not be doing gangbusters at the box office, but go check it out. It's so much fun. It's neither one of those things. It is exactly what the trailers told you it was. No more, no less. If you looked at those trailers and you thought to yourself, that looks like a really good time, you'll probably enjoy yourself. If you look at yeah. those trailers and you were like, this is dampening my desire to see this movie. To ever go to the movies ever again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If this is getting you to the point where like, I hate movies, you will mm. probably hate this movie. Don't go see it. So I would say that if you have a decent critical thinking skills, you've probably already surmised whether or not you'll like the movie. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, Jason, is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? The Deadly Spawn. Oh, okay. I don't know this. I'm going to say nothing more about it. Okay. okay. Just go, I'm going to look it up after we're yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch it. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's available probably on Tubi, uh, which ought to tell you everything you need to know about it. So, <laughs> Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and here's the thing. Uh, I'm not it. saying any of this ironically. I genuinely like the movie. Okay. All right, I, I'm I'm looking forward to looking into this one. That sounds like fun. Awesome, Jason. Tell people where they can find you and the podcast. We're available on all of your favorite podcast platforms and some you've never heard of. Uh, mm. You can follow us on Twitter at Binge Movies. We do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash binge movies. We have everything from video club member all the way through to assistant manager. You can become part of the home video revolution, which we keep the fires burning for here at Binge Movies, uh, and you are entitled to different benefits on those tiers. We have whole uh, shows that are not on our main feed, completely different formats and ideas that we do that are exclusive to Patreon members, and um, 
got a nice growing community over there of people who support the show and it's a great place to talk about movies we want more and more people and uh basically if a computer explodes or a microphone dies uh i can keep the lights on that's really all it's for so mm-hmm. uh, if, if you want to sponsor an episode and just say hey i'll give you money and talk about a movie or five movies you can do that bingemovies.podbean.com hit sponsor an episode and as david is wont to tell you reluctantly on every episode mm-hmm. of piecing it together I could really use some five-star reviews on the good old Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And if you haven't done David's show already, what are you doing? You're listening to his show. Give him those five stars. Throw me one as well, and we'll just consider it even. Come on, people. While you're there, why not do both shows? Just knock it out. Get it off the to-do list, you know? Honestly, like, everybody says this, and so it's become white noise, David. It's like, oh, it really helps out the show. It really helps out the show. It genuinely does. Uh... David Rosen, though he be famous for a great many things, is mm. up against Spotify themselves. They're not just hosting mm. or platforming a show. They're competing against it with billions of dollars. So if you like yeah. creative, fresh, original content, like piecing it together and everything else that David touches, uh, you got to support it up to and including his music career. So mm. if you, we are two independent producers of, of creative arts and content and we live and die by grassroots support so everybody check out binge movies uh and i have been on a bunch of episodes so go check those out and uh hopefully i'll be coming back sometime soon jason is that is that in the cards it, well <laughs> it's always in the cards it's just a matter of one if i can you, your schedule is insane no it is yeah and, <laughs> and two I usually torture you with at least one or two of the movies that you watch. <laughs> yes, I'm you just do. waiting for you to stop answering my DMs. To be yes, honest. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we'll. Well, you're one, honestly uh, no no smoke to be blown. You're one of my favorites, David. You're you're a completely different character on Twitter, and you have a completely original podcast, and you steal no one's ideas, which is uh, really refreshing in the independent podcast community. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and you're oh, honestly, and and your listeners need to know this. David is always down to help people behind the yeah. scenes. He's always down to help people, give advice. Uh, he's got a great production background, and he's always he's just always a he's always a good he's just a good guy. So support his show and uh, keep supporting it. And I would gladly have you on anytime. He says the nicest things about people, but I love having him here, Jason. It's great having you as always, and I look forward to next time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me back. What's up, listeners? Force 5 is a show about movie-related top five lists, hosted by me, Blacklist screenwriter and ex-video store cinephile Jason Kleberg. I have a new guest on each week, and the guest gets to pick the topic. Past guests have included film directors, screenwriters, actors, critics, comedians, rappers, artists, and other podcasters. Love or hate our picks, you're guaranteed to walk away thinking, what would be on my list? Search Force 5 wherever you get your pods, or head to force5podcast.com. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Bullet Train. That one was a, a bitch to edit because uh, my my dog Harvey, my fourteen going on fifteen year old dog, he he had this insane sneezing fit in the middle of recording, and uh, it was just like sneeze after sneeze after sneeze. And uh, sometimes the job of a podcast editor, host, producer, etc., uh, there's a lot to deal with. So if you like what we do here. 
drop us a review and a rating, whether that's on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods or uh, Podchaser, maybe Spotify. While you're on Spotify, you could also check out my latest single, Antiviral, which I also put up a playlist of all of my quote-unquote singles. I call it the David Rosen quote-unquote singles collection. And the reason why I say it like that is because some of the songs weren't actually singles. Either I put out music videos for them or they were planned as singles or planned as music videos that didn't quite come together for whatever reason. But they're songs from my albums that are available on Spotify and uh, basically the best of the best, kind of. Uh, Although there's a lot of deep tracks that I really love of my music as well that I could be sharing with you but check out the singles collection it's a great playlist two hours of music um yeah it's it's out there uh other than that what else is going on I don't know we got a lot of piecing it together coming your way I got a lot of music coming your way uh finishing up my new album that's going to be coming real soon I'll have news on that very very soon actually at the time of that I'm recording this uh you never know how long these things take But along the way, plenty of piecing it together coming your way. Uh, While you're reviewing and rating and subscribing and all that stuff, you could also follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And don't forget about our Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, as well as from Awesome Movie Year and from my music career. Uh, lots of stuff you can check out over there. It's patreon.com slash by David Rosen. Starting at $3 a month, you get access to most of the stuff. $5 a month, all the stuff. And then there's a couple other tiers with some other extra bonus stuff as well. So check that out if you really want to support the show in uh, the money version of support. And uh, I appreciate you just being out there listening. So... Let's close this thing out with a piece of my music like we always do. I don't know. I want to play something a little different that I haven't played uh, either in a while or ever, um, which is hard to find because this is 250-something episodes of the show. So that's, that's a lot of times that I've played songs at the end of episodes. So it's it's getting, getting kind of tough, but that's why these new albums are going to be nice. But... Um, I don't know, I'm going to go with a song from one of my bonus albums that uh, is available exclusively on Bandcamp. Uh, the album is called Another Sky, and I'm going to play a song called Gravity, uh, which there is a music video for. And uh, this song, since it's on this Bandcamp exclusive, is not on that singles collection I was talking about. Although one of these days I may uh, finally break that whole Bandcamp exclusive thing and put some of these songs on Spotify. I might as well. But uh, yeah, hope you enjoy it. It's called Gravity. We'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.